You're listening to Dead Candy. Dedicated entertainment for the dead. Paradise encourages viewers to watch these horror films before listening to our show. Danny and Lance will go through everything, including filmmaking, dialogue, characters, and even full scene breakdowns when we get excited. Enjoy the show. Uh, I think that's it, Danny. I think we're that's done. What uh, do you mean that's done? By the 13th, we're done. We're, we did the whole we did it. We did the whole thing. No, there's got to be more, Lance. Come on, concentrate. I, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, that's it. No, you're lying to me. You're right. Actually, we can. Uh, we'll do the new beginning. There it is. Yes, I knew you would search your feelings and find it, Lance. <sighs> yes, we're back. Slashers Paradise is Ow. back. <laughs> what you what you? I've been listening. What you what you would do today? I've been listening to so many of our old podcasts trying to get back into this. I'm like. Oh yeah, I remember that. That was a great. That was a great line, Danny. Welcome back, slashers. What's up, slashers? Or- Welcome back. Hey, home listeners, it's time for Friday the Thirteenth, the New Blood, Part Seven. So, Lance, I'm gonna tell you, man. Why don't they just call this? We still want to make money. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, uh, Paramount wanted to make a ton of money mm. and they pitched something to a uh, new line at this point, but it didn't work out. So we got and, and matchups. That's what we want. We want a matchup of some sort. We wanted a matchup. And, you know, honestly, this movie, even the the slightest horror fan would have known had they seen Jason lives, which was the Friday before this part yes. six, had they seen that they would have known. Okay. So the new Friday's coming. Yeah. Because the way they left the other Friday, Jason lives the way they left Jason lives with Jason staring down the barrel of the camera with his eye open submerged underneath camp crystal Lake, yep. still very much alive, but contained chain so chain to a rock chain that's how you defeat jason i just feel like chains and these chains i feel like i'm being grabbed these chains sorry uh, for your ears folks uh that's totally fine danny no that was a reference that was a quote from uh, night of the roxbury so you're welcome that's not a horror film danny wrong genre depending what on who you thinking? ask uh no so uh this was the first attempt from the Friday the 13th camp from Paramount to try to make Jason and Freddy a thing. You see, Lance, at this point in the 80s, a lot of fans are very much showing their ass in the sense of they're like, we are going, we, we, we are going, you're going to take our money. No matter what you put out there, you put out shit, you're going to take some of our money, right? Some. See how I said that? Yeah, yeah. Because some. Now, in this situation... They are starting to listen to the fans a lot more. Fangoria is definitely happening. Folks are writing in. Hell, they're writing straight to the dang picture company, New Line, Paramount. They're writing to them and be like, oh, that's so cool that you had Jason uh, resurrected from the dead. Uh, Now, wouldn't it be like totally awesome if Jason and Freddy just like fought? Because like those are the that would be so cool. That was, that was great. That was a great uh, Wayne's World. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just. <laughs> no, no. I would, I would imagine that's what these uh, letters were coming in as. So at this time, we're in 1986, 87 at this point, or 86, technically. Um, Friday movies, box office is starting to dwindle just a tad. Just a tad, just but a you bit. know. But you know, nightmare movies are almost double box office hits. Over Friday the 13th. So, Freddy's kind of raking it in at this moment. Lance, 
I don't want to talk about your shit, but you're going to. But I am. It might be that as a franchise and as a story, Nightmare is probably just a little bit more creative, has more legs, has more legs. I'll okay. say that. Ha- We'll get into Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, I'm sure, in the future. Yes. But for right now, I think a lot of that, one, has to do with what they did in this franchise of, with part five. Yes. We talked about the loyalty of horror fans. We talked about how they're not stupid. Right. They love what they love, and they know what they love. And when you bitch slap them, essentially, with an imposter of Jason, an impostor <laughs> of Jason in part five... You're going to have to win them over. Yeah. And I mean, kudos to part six. I, I still I am still reeling from what an awesome movie that is. But here we are in part seven. And you're right. Uh, box offices. Box office is dwindling. Dwindling but- a bit. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we're now recouping all those fans. Freddy is raking it in almost double the box office Yikes. of Jason, unfortunately. So Paramount's going, hey, let's make this matchup happen. It's the. It's not quite the height of the slasher era, but it were like right at the end of it. So let's make this thing happen. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. the two sides can't come to an agreement. So it's the new blood. It's the new Friday blood. the 13th. And we're like, well, matchups still kind of work. You know what would be great is Jason matched up with Carrie. Carrie? Yeah. Carrie Elways from The Princess Bride. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie from the 1976 film. Uh, with some telepathy. And, yeah, the, uh, St- the Stephen King original, uh, Carrie. One of my favorite Halloween movies to watch, by the way. Oh, on my Halloween marathon. Well, list. very nice, very yes. nice. Yeah, Carrie. Uh, is a huge fan favorite. A lot of folks. Uh, you know, just absolutely love this story. There's original story by Stephen King that was obviously made into a horror movie. How about this for tying it in? John Travolta's in Carrie. Yes. And John Travolta's nephew was in on Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives. Thank you very much. Bang, got him. There's uh, another, there's actually another Carrie uh, reference later in this franchise. We'll get to that. Oh, cool. All right. Can't wait to get into that. So uh, Jason versus Carrie. Jason versus Carrie. Well, I mean, that's pretty simple. But, but it's not Carrie. It's not Carrie because there's no way they're going to get Stephen King and or anyone who has the rights to Carrie to sign off on that. So they're like, well, you don't own the rights to telepathy <laughs> or <laughs> telekinesis. Right. Telekinesis. That's what it was. <laughs> All right, Dan, we got uh, business to take care let's of take as always. Uh, let's, you know, let's get our slash word first. Ooh. Yeah, I think that's a better idea. All you know, right. we're already six minutes in. We need to we need to get that slash word out. Calling in today for our slash word. Danny, you got anybody in mind? I do. I actually, I, I, I thought about this a lot. And what I wanted was someone who is a genre favorite. Okay. But also, you know, someone who is, well, not <laughs> a genre favorite for Halloween Maybe just horror genre fans. We'll say horror genre fans uh, that may have uh, have Tim Curry attached Ooh. to a very specific horror movie, maybe slash with fantasy. But it's not Tim Curry's darkness from legend calling in. It is actually Blix, the goblin from legend calling in with the slash word for today. All right. We'll have to open up our portals for uh, Blix right now. But Blix, you're on the line. Blix, what is our slash word of the night? Hello, slashers. The slash word is trauma. Now pay attention, old box, before I turn you into pork chops. Wow. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you, Blix. And as, as always, folks, just a reminder that slash word is uh, the slasher's paradise version of password. When you do hear that slash word that Blix brought to you all, please take a drink of your beverage of choice. Now, Lance, this can be alcoholic, but it also can be non-alcoholic. It can be non-alcoholic. But if you're listening to this episode, we've already launched our happy hour of horror. Mm-hmm. So we're going to let you choose your own. Choose your own. But we're drinking a little Crown Royal today. We're drinking a little. We're, keep, we're keeping it. We're keeping it lice and nice lice, which is nice <laughs> and loose at the same time. Like but also it. something you don't want in your hair. Shout out to elementary school. What? 
Um, <laughs> I hope that's not the slash word. That's not the slash word. No. Uh, all right, Danny. It's summer. Uh, let's change our uh, pumpkin spice latte to a pina kill latte. What is our pina colada for Friday the 13th? You son of a bitch. New blood. You are fantastic, (laughs) folks. I am hearing that for the absolute first time. It's fantastic. Our pina colada for Slasher's Paradise is a version of Friday the 13th, New Blood, brought to you by Danny Gonzalez. Here it goes. Jason lives again. Jason Voorhees was captured and attached to a huge rock and tethered (laughs) to a chain at the bottom of Camp Crystal Lake for a time. At one point, we are understanding that Camp Crystal Lake is quite vast and a family that also had their home on Camp Crystal Lake was having an argument where a young girl who was developing her telekinesis while trying to leave an argument, leave the house that her parents were having, goes into a boat and is so angry at her father for having that argument with her mother, channels her telekinesis that she cannot control at this point, And in doing so, not only drops her father into the water, but, uh, you know, also kills him. But then later, later... <laughs> would visit Camp Crystal Lake as a older uh, woman and when revisiting that memory, inadvertently resurrect Jason, who was hanging out underwater. Folks, I'm not making this shit up. I swear <laughs> to God. But through her telekinesis, raised Jason from underwater. And now Jason is back, um, deteriorated from the water pressure and such and is in full zombie form and is now doing his old tricks in where he just has to kill anybody who is around Camp Crystal Lake and that is your Pina Killada for Slasher's Paradise's Friday the 13th The New Blood. <laughs> wow. Possibly the longest ever we've ever had. It used to be a pumpkin spice latte around here, but a pina colada is going a little longer. A little longer. A little harder too. Alright, the movie was released on May 13th, 1988. What a year for horror films. Mm. Budget was $2.8 million. The box office was $19.1 million. The movie was directed by John Beekler, written by Manuel fin- Fidello, mm. Daryl Haney, starring Lar Park, Lincoln, Kevin Blair, Susan Blue, Terry Kaiser, and for the first time, playing Jason, Kane hotter it has finally arrived folks we are at the genesis of the fan favorite to portray the hockey mask wearing serial killer jason Voorhees, kane hotter and this might get me into some hot water lance and i hope it doesn't but kane is not my favorite jason i'm just gonna be honest it's just not not my neither uh a lot of folks associate Kane with Jason. I mean, obviously from here on out, they were like, if Kane is not playing Jason, we don't want to see it. We don't want it. Um, and you know, it's so, it's so funny because he only really just had three movies as four. I believe four. So he had this one, Manhattan and Jason X. Is that it? Yeah. He, so that's the thing when Freddy versus Jason. Oh, Jason goes, goes to hell. hell. So well, we yes. don't really count that. Yeah, <laughs> we'll Jesus get there. Surprise. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so technically. So four. yes, four movies. So yes, I agree mm-hmm. that, um, there is like, okay, if anybody's going to be playing this person, it's kind of like they want Friday fans are very loyal. They want it there. Robert England for their franchise. And it's the things that Halloween scream, you know, even Texas Chainsaw Massacre are not going to get because they're pretty much where different people donning the iconic serial killer, especially Scream, right? But in this case, they were like, no, we want our Robert England. Mm. And Kane provided that for them, especially because at this point in the franchise, this is where, I mean, everything is shot very dark and harsh lighting. It's almost like it is darkness and a spotlight. Yeah, that's a, that's 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 what I feel. And to me, sometimes it takes 
away from what I remember and loved from the Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. They felt more moody to me. This one just kind of feels like, hey, let's go to a soundstage real quick and shoot this. Even though it, it's just too harsh of lighting to tell me or trying to convince me that that is moonlight. It's not moonlight. That is the brightest moonlight in this world. Yeah, I... <clears throat> Going back on the Kane Hodder thing and the Jason thing, CJ Graham from mm-hmm. Friday Six wanted so badly to be synonymous with Jason. He wanted this role. He wanted to come back. He wanted to be Jason from now on. Instead, we get Kane Hodder, and there's no hard feelings between anybody no. or anything like that. No, no, no. Kane took it and then became kind of the synonymous Jason with that. As far as the lighting goes and what this movie ends up being, we'll get to the reasons why it is the way it is. Um, I always call this one Jason lost in the woods because there's a lot of scenes in the woods. You're like, why did this person go there? Like there's so many weird cuts and a lot of the movie is just Jason lost in the woods. It just is shot from, from a low angle up and I I don't, I don't, it, it loses, it loses so much for me because like what you saw in Jason lives was a, a formula that if they move forward with that was going to rock, you know? I mean, yes, there are uh, still a lot of the darkness, harsh lighting, but they were more creative with it. It felt a little bit more broody. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of like, Hey, let's just follow Jason walking through the wood shots. Let's just shoot him from the front because what it, it, it reeks of one of those like quota things. Hey, every X minutes we need to see Jason. Yeah. We need to see a kill. Like things that we've had like those things in the in the past in the franchise, but you know, it's not my favorite for a lot of reasons because I'm like it feels like a carbon copy, but you left a lot of the copy <laughs> out. You know yeah. what I'm saying? This movie had I mean, if you watch any of the interviews and all that kind of stuff, it came down to a lot of cooks in the kitchen sort of a mm-hmm. thing. So a lot of things get cut out. Uh thanks to the MPAA. I, I've learned through like this particular franchise that friday the 13th was the target of the mpaa as like that's the number one horror movie that's the reason we have gore and we have to cut all this stuff so friday the 13th got cut even more than most movies out there this particular one got cut so much that they didn't even know like what to do with it and Mm. i think a lot of transitions and the reasons characters are in certain places it's just kind of bizarre and that's why we just end up with this like all right, now this person's dead and it's cut to the next seat. It's just, it, it gets very cut up. And I think a lot of filmmakers in the past had a better way of refilming or touching up. So there's connectivity where a lot of this movie, there's none of that connectivity. Right. Um, I just want to kind of reminisce. Let's pump the brakes and reminisce about 1988. I mean, yes. Let's not put... I feel like sometimes I, I'm definitely guilty of this. I can get so caught up in trying to view these movies as like from the lenses of today of myself and my, my, like what I like. And, but I do remember, and I hope this is the where you were going, but I do remember when I was first watching this movie around this time, around this definitely around, well, not around this time when it, when it came out, but I remember watching it be like, okay. Jason is now the unstoppable force. Right. So there is terror to that. Yep. There is some scare, some scary elements to it. But again, like, I think a lot of what made me fall in love with the series was not the, the interesting deaths, not the cut them up. I, I, I just liked the sort of, um, the feel. The feel of the surrounding areas. And this feels like it could be any, any woods, any, mm-hmm. any tree, any setting. Yeah. You know, I didn't feel like Camp Crystal Lake, but 1988, what's going on? Oh man, let's talk about some of the movies that came out in 1988. There, there was like this great graphic a long time ago. It was like, it says like 88 and then it shows you all the icons that came from 88. Oh yes. And I'm not that. even going to like probably hit them all because I'm already thinking of a few that I think were on that list. But, um, at this time, child's play. Mm-hmm. Phantasm 2, which I don't know if you're a Phantasm fan, but I am. Boy. Okay, good. That's all I got. Good to know. Oh. <laughs> uh, Hellraiser 2, which gave us a lot more pinhead, more icon out of it. Killer Clowns came out in 88. Uh, they Live came out in 88. So a political, like, we're saying something with our horror films now. And one that we're going to get to, Night of the Demons. I think it just kind of shows you that there's a lot like the horror genre is just kind of everywhere at this point it's not just slashers right now 
It's kind of all over the place. It's Wasn't fun. There- it's stylized. What? Wasn't there uh, another? Uh, oh, there's a couple. What do you What do you got in mind? Halloween 4 was on my list. Halloween 4 also came out in this year. Great year, Lance. Great year. What I want to say about that as well, Halloween 4 is on my list. I was going to get into it in just a minute. But uh, what I want to say about Halloween 4 is watching this movie and trying to like go back to 1988, which was the year I was born. Oof. But it made me appreciate Halloween 4 Mm -hmm. even more because like the contrast between these two movies coming out in the same year is really intriguing to me. It was really fun and totally different. And you see that there is some sort of difference between the two characters of Jason and Michael. So it was a lot of fun. 88 is an incredible year for our icons. There's another Nightmare on Elm Street. I think it's Nightmare 4 came out that year as well. So we get all of our icons in 88. Michael's back. I mean, we had Halloween 3. Like mm-hmm, we, mm-hmm. Michael's been gone for a little while. So he's back. It's a great year for horror films. It is. It is a great year. I mean, like if you're thinking about at this point, it's the new blood uh, for for. A lot of people, this is one of their uh, favorites, actually, in the Fridays. I've met some people who are like, yeah, the New Blood is my favorite. So now you also got to mention the other ones that you talked about. At this point, if you are a horror fan going to the movies to watch these films, I mean, what a fantastic year. Not only Halloween 4, which oh, is, yeah. a, is a huge favorite in the Halloween franchise and all the, all, all the ones that you mentioned, Killer Crons and such, but particularly... Nightmare 4 at this point, that's like the think of the heart of the lineup. So it's like Trey Turner and, you know, Mookie Betts right there (laughs) between Nightmare 3 and Nightmare 4. They are just like fully hitting their stride with like super successes. So it's like, I mean, we talked about going back in time and just wanting to be in a moment. So people are like, I want to see, you know, when the pyramids were built, I guess, or whatever the heck (laughs) the the, the thing may be. I don't know what else to do. Historic events. Mine, I want to go back in time and be in the line for The Exorcist. Yeah. And I just let me live 88. Just let me live mm-hmm. it and experience all the movies that came out in 88, 85 as well. That was, uh, That's a good year. year. Yeah. But at the same time, yes, 88. Uh, what a, an amazing lineup for the whole year of uh, franchises, new installments in the franchises, and then new movies, new horror movies that like and stood the test of time to this day. Yeah, and what a great time it would have been for Jason and Freddy to kind of match up. I don't know where that movie would have gone at that time, considering both were fighting over the rights, like who wins this matchup sure. and how do we protect each. And like, it was so much more cutthroat then. It wasn't not for the fans. I don't think they understood the fans and the power of the fans back then. Right. It was like, cool, we'll take your money. And we'll give you a product. And because we get different filmmakers for every damn film of Friday the 13th, for Mm -hmm. the most part, it's just kind of like, ah, we can throw anybody in there. And that kind of becomes the attitude, especially after this movie of who cares? Like, do whatever you want with it. We'll bring them back if we need to. Yeah. So, like, imagine the how successful the MCU has been, like, uh, with the Avengers and things like that. They hit it when they needed to hit it. They're like, all right, we're going to do it. We're going to do it now. Yeah. At the height, at the the peak interest. So at this point you had the peak interest of the fans, this, that movie, whatever the Freddie versus Jason movie would have been at that moment would have been like huge, probably would have like broke records all over, Yeah, but they didn't get it and they pushed and they pushed and they didn't get it till way later. And you know, maybe the interest had not been at it as, as high as it was, but yeah, they, Owners of the properties properties yeah. weren't really taking the fans into consideration. They're taking themselves into consideration. Like, oh, let's make sure who wins and let's make sure who's going to get the most money. Is it going to be new lines? Is it going to be Paramount? Exactly. And that's unfortunate because that was the height of it. It would have been a really fun movie. But at the same time, maybe we got something better in the end. Uh, we'll get there eventually. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, I mean, we got to talk about this movie. And but I want to talk about this movie, and we have talked about it a little bit, Lance, but I do want to talk about the things that I definitely want our fans to know that are now the thing of this movie. First of all, the last time you saw Jason, he did not look the way he looks now. Uh, he's been uh, successfully contained underwater in Camp Crystal Lake, and the surrounding areas have, you know, enjoyed Jasonless times, years. Uh, it, it feels like he's been under there for a while. I think it's 
four years technicality. Okay, so Tommy and uh, the survivors from Jason Lives were probably able to go and live their lives, and who knows where they're at, just living it up and not hopefully looking at the headlines of Jason being resurrected by a telekinetic person. But when you <laughs> see Jason, folks, his spine is exposed. His... Okay, so he's been underwater. He's been underwater this whole time. So not only was he still zombified Jason from part six, but now he's like water deteriorating from being underwater for so long. So he's got the chain around his neck, which is cool. Like it's it's never going to like for the most part, a lot of these Fridays never erase what the previous one has done. Give five kind of like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. ignore five at this point. But like. It's really cool to always see the chain link around his neck as he's wearing it like a like a necktie. But it reminds you of the the reality of the previous installment. Yeah. And that was kind of the the purpose. Uh, John Beekler kind of said he was a special effects makeup and then he was the director of this film. And he's like, I'm taking everything that I've seen this guy go through and I'm adding it to the makeup of this. And again, we're in the like heart of Fangoria, like we get a kind of a creature feature at the end of this sort of a thing when Jason's mask pops mm-hmm. off and, uh, <laughs> or it's taken off. Um, yeah, yeah. so every injury that he's ever had is accounted for four or five years of being waterlogged is accounted for. That's why he's just totally deteriorating. He's zombie Jason. He's unstoppable. And the, the thing I kind of like about this is he's always wet for some reason. Hey. And, uh, when he walks, he has this like squishy stomp, it's like sloshy. Yeah. Like when, when you were wearing your shoes and you dipped into the puddle of water and it's like, dang it. Yeah. But you're also like 289 pounds, whatever, 300 pounds. It's just Brock Lesnar. It's just, yeah, a huge stomp. So you actually hear him coming now all the time. It's not just like a little snap of a twig anymore. It's Mm -hmm. in a chain. Like you can hear him coming. It's terrifying. The sound of him coming is now terrifying. Or we saw Jason kind of pick up the pace in some of the ways he was walking. I feel like he was always walking with a purpose Mm -hmm. in part six. Uh, Definitely before five, we see it a little bit in four and definitely three. I mean, three, he's running in part two as well. So the point is, is that his the trope is. It is very much prevalent of the whole, no matter how fast you run, Jason walks faster. Yeah. Get it? It's like, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like this. There has to be a reality. Just show him walking a little bit faster. Just a little (laughs) bit. But yes, he's very much, it's a sloshy sort of, you know, creep throughout the woods. And then you kind of. Know that if you do get caught by this Jason, there's not going to be any sort of compromise. I mean, he's not even a man at this point. He's just a zombie carcass that is barely being held together and is on a mission to just he's just just killing at this point. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know. I feel like there's always an emotional tie to Jason. Almost every single movie, Mm -hmm. there's somebody that's had a past experience with him. Or some sort of emotional tie. And they always think that Jason's coming after them when, in fact, he's just like, I don't know, you're here. So yeah, I, just don't, I don't want you. you in my spot. I don't want you in my spot. Yeah, get, get, basically. The, get out of my territorial area. in mm-hmm. a sense until we take him out of camp. Oh, Jesus. Later on. But but the point here is, is that they. They figured that we they have the formula figured out, right? They have it. There's like we're going to put Jason at Camp Crystal like with a bunch of counselors or cannon fodder jason fodder kane hotter fodder huh okay hey oh wow uh to just cut up and kill and then no real nudity at all in part six well definitely nudity uh featured now here in part seven but the point of bringing up who the cannon fodder is Mm. do we have counselors no no do we have children no no we just have the old story of Group of kids getting together and having a good time for a birthday party. Yeah. They're going to surprise one of their friends for a birthday party. And that's the that's the nucleus of the characters that you see. In addition to that, I mentioned it in the Pina Killata. There is a telekinetic powered <laughs> character named Tina or Carrie, uh, who is <laughs> going through this like sensory overload therapy yeah 
So Tina's been invited to go into the neighboring house. It's just actually a cabin right next door to where all these uh, kids are. They're all her age. And Tina has had a pretty rough life, obviously, right? Tina Shepard has had a, a rough life in where, well, she killed her dad when she was young and early because she was so mad that, uh, all right. So, yeah, he had the argument with the mom and it's inferred. You don't see it, but it's inferred that he got physical with the mother. So mm-hmm. she was protecting her mom and at the same time lashing out at the dad and so she her whole life has been having to wrangle with the fact that she's different. She has these powers. And now as a young adult is with her mom and a doctor. A psychologist who. <sighs> look, dude, as soon as you meet this guy, he reeks of having ulterior motives. Oh, yeah. Reeks of it. Oh, yeah. However, why is this guy, why does he look familiar, Lance? What is he from, Danny? I I thought that too. I'm like, hmm. He just, this doctor looks very familiar. And it's like, it's almost like I need him to stop moving. Yeah? Yeah. Like I need him to like not move at all and have somebody move him. I see. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Maybe somebody should put like sunglasses on him too at the same time. And then what? A mustache. Okay. And I'm then I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. It's starting okay. to come to me. So you put a mustache on him. You put glasses on him. He doesn't move. You move him. And it's on the weekend. <laughs> and maybe his name is Bernie. <laughs> 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 Folks. <laughs> Slashers. The psychologist, psychiatrist. I always get those two mixed Dr. up. Dr. Cruz. Dr. Cruz is Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's. He's just. That's who. That's who is charged with getting Tina to be better. Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> I guess. I, I, I grew up I, with that movie as I well. Mean, I so, think it's yeah. absolutely fantastic. I feel like he was something, from something else the whole time. And then I was like, oh, that's fucking Bernie, dude. <laughs> it is. It is. But, you know, obviously he has. When I say ulterior motives, I'm not joking, folks. Like this guy is wanting to channel <laughs> Tina's abilities. Okay. Let's just say it. Uh, maybe Matthew Modine's character from Stranger Things is where this, you know, this inspiration came from Dr. Cruz. Oh, yeah. So he's he knows that Tina's got powers. He's wanting to submerge her or, or you know, kind of put her in this like, let's go to the scene of the crime, essentially. And I want to help you harness and channel these powers and she doesn't want to she wants to just live a normal life as a matter of fact her mom wants her to do that as well so when these kids are next door she tells tina yeah go go hang out with the kids and you could see dr cruz is just like i thought there was going to be no distractions meaning i thought you agreed that i can poke and prod at this as at your child but anyway um so you have that element right you have the element of the doctor with the ulterior motives dr cruz and tina with her (laughs) telekinetic abilities and then all these kids next door which one of obviously one of the dudes is looking at her and she's looking at him and okay so there's some love interest and some jealousy so all that into the mix now you have the the table is set for jason to wreak havoc you you're you're talking about the formula of this i'm like this is the perfect formula for friday the 13th film you have a nucleus of kids that are up there for a good time and then you have a subplot of tina her mom and the doctor Mm because the mom is always kind of at the with the doctor sort of a thing kind of trying to get tina like the emotional side of tina sure dr cruz is trying to get the most out of tina her and her abilities and then we have nick who's that's who the birthday surprise is for. Yeah. The code great. name for this movie back then was birthday bash. So that nobody knew that they were filming a Friday the 13th movie. That's well, yeah. It's already. not as uh y- you can only keep a secret so much until here comes Kane and the, uh, <laughs> yeah. and the hockey mask. Exactly. Hey, are we filming birthday bash or what the hell's going on here? Yeah. But watching this movie, I was like, that's, that's the nucleus. Like that's how you build a Friday the 13th movie. You have a core group of kids, which is cannon fodder or, as you said, hotter fodder. Hey. Um, or and then you know your subplot, the characters that you actually care for and follow a little bit more of a dynamic story with. So the eighties are very much happening right now. You could see that in the costume choices, in the hairdos. I had to say it finally. Uh, I had to bring up the hairdos. Back. Did you see when you all were watching this, Tina's mom? <laughs> full-on bangs mullet fluffed mullet that thing has like a a 
it's like a super rat tail at the end. That thing has got like all a whole can of Aquanet per day. But, you know, it's of the times and I think it's also kind of cool. But, you know, that is a full on choice. But, you know, I love it. Pastel colors, denim jackets, uh, sweaters wrapped around the neck. This, uh, this I feel like is the end of the full on 80s era and especially in movies. And then 89, we're going to get a little mix of the 90s in there. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. this is like the last full-on 80s Friday the 13th yes. before we get a little bit of a 90s mix in there. I agree. Uh, there's some interesting shots throughout the entire thing. Uh, some very invasive uh, oh, yeah. shots with uh, – it, it reminds me of the Jaws shot. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there was actually some sort of like, oh, yeah, like Jason is Jaws sort of a mm-hmm. thing. The, the filmmakers actually saw him as – jaws so there i think that was where you're going with yeah, this yeah. so it's like he's a, he's an unstoppable killing machine he has no motive jaws terminator whatever you want to say just somebody who cannot be reasoned with or bargain with he's just or they are just going to kill yeah so like the shark in jaws i see that yeah there's big influence from jaws and then there's a an Big influence from another movie uh carrie uh, <laughs> so i think another thing if you're going to get into this, I hope. Uh, I think I'm reading your mind at this point with the theme of the movie. Okay, we're going to talk about chemistry between the actors yep. and how none of them have it. No. This is so terrible. I mean, look, it is a hard gig to be a casting director, Lance. It's a hard gig to be like, this person looks, they sound they meet the height, everything that I have as far as the idea of what I want this character to look like, they are checking all the boxes. And then, quite frankly, folks, sometimes they get to set or they get to, yeah, they get to set and they're going to act opposite of their counterpart, of their love interest or whatever. And it's just nothing. Mm -hmm. This movie reeks of that. Not only from Nick, the, uh, presumed male lead but the other couples that are a part of the nucleus as well i i thought that too watching this is like we we've talked about some of the the previous especially like three uh friday three and 3d um the cast just got along that became friends mm-hmm. this is the first movie that it felt like actors acting you know what yeah, i mean like just, it, they want to have a career they want to expand their careers that's what this feels like is more of acting trying to act rather than just a group of people that are like having a good time making a horror film it yeah, feels like actors. There was so much camaraderie you could tell with the the previous installment between like court and and you know the the rest of the counselors essentially even the kids in part six yeah were like you know they were really kind of meshing and gelling with each other. Tommy, uh, Sheriff Garris, just pretty much they checked all the right boxes and especially the screen test and especially the chemistry test in the previous installment. This one, I know if y'all have seen Crystal Lake Memories, it is definitely referenced that the men who are in romantic relationships with women are real life gay men who just didn't have that sort of chemistry and they were forcing on them to have these romantic moments. Yeah, they mentioned that. They're like, yeah, it just... You could tell that they just were not – it was never going to mesh, whether with it's Tina and Nick or any of the other couples. Mm. That's just – that is the way it was. It's interesting, too, because Nick was actually a recast at the last minute. There was somebody else that was casting the role of Nick, and Nick came in, like, I think a week or two mm. before they started shooting. So he was kind of a replacement. Actually, I believe – correction – uh, they had already started shooting and they actually replaced this character who they had already shot some oh, scenes with. The Back to the Future thing. Yeah. And that suck. Swear to God, man. I never want to be in that position. I have been actually, you know, let me actually correct myself in my own telling of my story. I have been in a position where I booked something and then I got to wardrobe and they were like, actually, we're good. Oh, it happens. No. It happens uh, for whatever reason. But, but back to this movie. Again, I just... Once you notice it, once you're watching this film and you notice the harsh spotlight in the dark forest, it is not only, as Lance put it, Jason wandering through the woods. Yeah. It's every other character wandering through the woods. It You might as well have to leave breadcrumbs because you won't 
it all looks the same. It, it is ex- identical, harsh spotlight into dark woods around trees. None of it matters. None of it makes sense. And then a, a flash of lightning here and there. But that's it. Yeah. Uh, that's what I've always said about this movie. Like, there are some cool kills, but they kind of come out of nowhere. Like, you don't understand why the characters, they might explain it, but there's just no transition scene of getting them there to the woods where Jason is always waiting. He's barely in a house, a cabin or anything until like the very end for a scene or two or death right. or two, which right. one is just hilarious to me. We'll get to that in a minute, but uh, it's just this kind of weird. And again, the people that made this film cared mm-hmm. and they wanted it to be good. They knew the the previous movies. They wanted to bring something new to the table and they had an appreciation for it, special, especially with the special effects. It just turned into too many people adding something here and there. Ooh, wouldn't this be cool? Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're making something like an original film here, like with your friends or something like that, then you can add on and stuff. But when it's. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that because we make we make films ourselves. We put it on YouTube. Um, It's our cinema photographer, Christian, that always checks us and goes like, "Okay, but how did they get there? Right. When we're writing and we're like, okay, and then this scene happens and then this yes. scene, we get so excited. And our friend Christian, our cinema photographer, always checks us like about the rules of cinema photography. Right. I feel like they're kind of missing in this because we'd have no idea or it just feels random that these people end up in Jason's zone throughout the movie. So if you've ever played Friday 13th, the game, you know, one of the things that the game developers kind of honed in on was his sort of teleportation. He just kind of appears. And I'm like, that's not a real thing that a person or just somebody who for a humanoid should be able to do yet. This is where they got that from. The fact (laughs) that he could, he just appears here and there. And also another thing about Jason, I want to talk about real quick about the appearance. That is not it for me. Even if he did have them in the previous installment, the screens in front of the eye holes, I didn't notice them as much in the last one. Oh, I noticed them this time. Yeah. It is Halloween five screens in front of the eyes to make those blackest eyes, the goalies eyes to just make those black eyes the whole time. But I'm like, when you're using these harsh spotlights, you're you can't hide it. Yeah. You, especially even, in HD. We've talked about that mm-hmm. as well. When these things, when all these movies got upgraded to 1080 4k, now all of a sudden you're picking up a lot more detail. So those lights shine right off of the, the black screen, especially on the left eye. He doesn't always have it on the right. Sometimes he does. Yep. There's even a scene where he doesn't have it on either. You can actually see like a shine off his left eye, which you're not supposed yeah, to. Yeah. Because the, the screen, if you shine into it, it's like a, like a, yeah, like uh, car lights or, or head, yeah, headlamps or something like that. You will see the reflection of a screen. Yeah. But also, there is no other color. There's no color besides what the what the characters are wearing. And if when they're shooting during the day, there's some sunlight. But it's like dark or black and spotlight. Yeah. And that's it. Although it would have been cool to kind of be on there. Oh, oh. This is where I had the most terrifying dream I've ever had in real life. It came from this. So there's a part in the movie where Tina is done. She heard the coup or or the plans laid out by the doctor because her mom did some investigating and found all the stuff. Okay. That the doctor has ulterior motives. There was a point where Tina saw something was stabbed into the side of a wall and the doctor removed it because she knew it was Jason. And the doctor was like, oh, shit, if she if this is true, it's going to ruin all my work. So he hit it anyway. Anyway, the doctor's been found out. Dr. Cruz has been found out. So Tina's like, son of a bitch, not again. And it's kind of just like she was when she was younger. She hears in this case, it's not her dad but it's a doctor and her mom arguing tina takes off in the car okay it's just a dark it's just a road yeah and while she's going down the road she has a vision of her mom being impaled and killed by jason veers her off the road right okay the dream uh i grew up on the ranch right and my most favorite thing to do with my cousins was to be in the back of the truck and ride the truck from the center of the ranch to the compound oh, yeah, or whatever yeah. the case may be. <laughs> and our fathers would always tell us, you know, we wanted to sit on like 
just sit on the edge of the truck and just hold on and just you know so you could see there's no fun in sitting all the way down no, on no. the on the bed yeah okay so i had a dream where we were doing that and it was a thing where we knew jason was there well i don't know who was driving but it was Ooh. it was maybe my maybe my dad but it didn't matter who was driving what the thing is everyone is getting into the truck to escape jason jason's coming oh. get in get in get in and then some idiot either one of my cousins or somebody says go before i have got a full chance to get fully <laughs> oh, no. into the truck so my <laughs> foot is on the bumper and when the truck takes off i fall back and all i see because of this movie if you're, if you're not where you need to be, there is no light for you, right? It's yeah. darkness. So all I see are the tail lights, tail lights tail speeding lights, away, yeah. and it speeds away. So I hear, and then I wake up. How freaking uh, terrifying is that? It's Jason catching up to me, but it's from this movie. Yeah, it was just that sort of sloshy walking. Uh, stalking sort of sound and that's how I wake up do terrifying that's, but yeah yeah that is terrifying I, yeah. I, yeah I mean this movie in general uh, it's okay it's not it's, it's not okay. the worst it's not the best it's got a lot of Jason in there and I do like some of the special effects I if you're gonna go full zombie Jason and have him deteriorating I'm kind of into the whole jaw grinding okay. thing you yeah. know what I mean like if you are going that route I'm into the jaw grinding thing exposed teeth as well but don't show me the black screen that is supposed I to be understand. the other side of the screen but the, I understand that's us watching in HD yeah. and stuff so like a lot of this was not caught on VHS or even in the in the theater. So how crazy is that too? You know, just imagine like totally different technology and oh, yeah. watching your movie thirty years later. And like, oh shit! Like I never would have noticed that. I mean, some yeah. of the some of the stuff does like they do have to approve some of these four K transfers and such. Like mm. when all the I think it's Halloween that has gone through the most four K scans and transfers and stuff. A lot of it really holds up, even though it's as clear as day. Yeah. Um, but stuff like that where you cheated and you're like ah <laughs> nobody's gonna be able to see it anyway well yeah you never know technology gets better i mean eventually i hope i'm gonna live in a world where it's so technologically advanced that you just get to just be in there i want to be in the barn oh you know oh yeah i mean vr is getting there well, at this point. let's do it let's do it faster <laughs> oh my god uh be careful what you wish for man we're, we're getting there real fast i know the machines are taking over we're i know experiencing some skynet shit real quick uh oh that's terrible but okay so back to the actual plot of the, so the idea is that they're going to throw this party for their friend and it's going to be great and it just never pulls together because the person they actually are throwing the party for never shows up so what it doesn't really get going with the plans with what we saw in the past the kids get there for camp the camp is being worked on to be opened uh even in part four where the kid where the group of friends get there they party so all the plans laid out actually happen it just feels like they're just waiting for the thing that they set out to do to happen but you don't really stop kids from being kids you know you got your stoners you got your uh you know more promiscuous folks you got your oh a huge element there are multiple sub villains in this movie oh yeah yeah so you got obviously dr cruiser we talked about mm -hmm. when i say something jason's the overall villain it's the thing that i remember from part four where we see uh the biker gang Oh yeah, yeah. Die by you know, Jason kills the biker gang and you're like, I feel weird. <laughs> yeah. I feel weird because they're bad people and they're dying. So in this movie, you have Susan? obviously Dr. Cruz. Oh, Dr. Cruz, yeah. And who did you say? Susan. Susan, who is a well, Susan is a yeah, she she plays a Melissa, but she is the Oh, you're right. Oh, yes jealous she's the mean girl she's the she's the mean girl who is very much into nick right yeah and is doing everything she can to make tina feel like an outcast just super mean girl yeah so it's she like wants nick it just it i hate it man because no i was never a kid who had telekinetic powers and was like yeah i wish i would just fit in with everybody else but she makes Tina feel like an outcast 
And Tina doesn't need help feeling that way. She already kind of feels that way. So I just don't like it. I don't like bullying in movies. It just makes me feel like terrible. But yes, Melissa is just awful. Just awful. But you know that she's not going to be immune to surviving Jason. No, absolutely not. And it's I think it's her death that cracks me up the most. Or uh, Yeah, it's the tree with a head in it kind of a thing. Um, But yeah you're right though i mean these sub you're right it makes you feel weird because like am i supposed to who am i supposed to root for here right but the thing is like we at this point should know and i feel like the filmmakers and producers did not know we are rooting for jason in the end like we want to see jason do his thing we want to see him kick ass i think that's a sean s cunningham quote in fact is like we just want to see jason kick ass well the only thing that you have as a audience member at this point that you can identify with the whole franchise is the constant which is Jason mm-hmm. and Freddie and Michael. Yet it was Jason and Freddie that you wanted to see fight each other. I never really wanted to see Michael in one of those like, you know, versus movies or anything like that. And I didn't want to see Michael kick ass ever. No. Jason, though, the way that he his M.O. is, it loaned itself to that style. I, I said it the other day. I was like the quote I wanted to share on the on the show is that. Jason's almost a mirror of what's around him. So you can stylize it as much as you want. You can do as much as you want around him. You can put him in modern day. You can put him in old day. Like it doesn't matter. He should be the vessel of the times. You know what I mean? Like you should put everything around him. Michael, that doesn't work. Cause I just said it. The appreciation I have for or for Halloween four versus this movie is even wider now because of the seriousness of Halloween four and the Mm -hmm. depth of the story versus a kill fest, which is Jason versus Carrie in this movie. You know what I mean? So. Well, they wanted it. They get it. Let's talk about it. The ultimate final, they showdown between the Carrie like character of <laughs> Tina versus Jason. Essentially, the fans were thinking, what would it be like if someone could match up with Jason? Yeah. Could have something, you know, one up on him and in this case someone who can move things with her mind cause uh havoc with either levitating you or throwing you around would fight somebody like an indestructible sort of killing machine like jason so we get it and we get a lot of cool moments that this is where the movie gets like yeah straight up cool yeah and i i actually appreciate it because jason's surprised by it yeah i would be too like well i mean (laughs) If we're at zombie Jason, yeah, if we're at zombie Jason, um, you think like brainless, but he's not like he's still surprised when Tina's like pulling branches around him and like yeah. pulling moves. And he's like, what the hell is this? He's like, I know I'm an idiot, but I know that's not normal. <laughs> <laughs> I give credit to Kane Hodder because I think the next few movies he has a moment of like, what the hell is this? You know, he always has a surprise. Like, I didn't expect that. I've never seen that before. Yeah. So and there is some intelligence or brain matter to Jason mm-hmm. and, Kane, and Kane Hodder's portrayal of him. And with Kane Hodder's portrayal, you get now the signature is 100% his uh, when he's brooding and or going to make a kill. Mm. I know my boy Lance here has definitely done it when he's uh, donned the uh, hockey mask, the heavy breathing shoulders, uh, oh, you know, being affected by the heavy breathing mm. uh it's terrifying. It's honestly terrifying to see him just kind of look where he needs to go and then just take this huge hulking breath. And you're like, oh, man, I could imagine the breath that needs to go into that body. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like <laughs> he shouldn't be breathing or I don't know. Like, it's just as like it's something as simple as heavy breathing. But it adds because you're like, is he supposed to breathe normally? Because he's it, I, it breathes life into the character. Like, absolutely. If it's just Michael Myers, you hear the breathing. It's it's the shape. You know what yep. I mean? But this is Jason. That's what makes him different. I think Kane did breathe new life into hey. the character. It's the Jason that we know today. So we got Kane hotter fodder. We got breathing Kane breathing new life into the new blood. I mean, come on. I mean, they're all here for us, folks. Uh, I will say, though, um, the things that the fans ended up wanting for or wanting in a movie that was pitting Jason versus somebody, they get. And I don't know if anybody was ready, though, for... Okay, the last time we saw Jason's face without a mask, it was part four. 
I believe. Well, well not, six yeah. technically. So well, at that, the beginning. Oh, sure. But that one. Okay. So in part six, it's kind of very silhouette-ish. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like from far. You don't really see uh, like you don't really see a full on close up with a lot of light. You know, there's a lot of shadows and it's raining and such in this one. In the fight with Tina, she's throwing he- uh, hanging chandeliers at Jason. She's wrapping him with with vines, electrocuting him. She's doing everything she can to, you know, destroy this dude. And then at one point, she's like, you know what? I'm going to mentally attach to the thing that's on your head, your mask. And I'm mm. going to tighten it so much that it starts cutting into his skull and ooze starts coming out i hope y'all aren't eating at this point and ooze starts dripping out too much so much the pressure the pressure is built up so much that the mask pops off his head Mm -hmm. so for like a good portion of the end of the film you do not see jason with his hockey mask anymore but when the mask pops off his head he turns around (laughs) Uh, it is so gross but what a beautiful eye he has. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It he is does. true. He's got such a beautiful eye. Notice how I'm not saying eyes because he only has one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Kane Hodder does a lot of these like, you know, he's he's like, OK, you made me zombie. You got my teeth exposed, my jawline exposed. He starts doing these like chewy sort of like. Yeah, he does. It, it looks he's like he's very che- expressionate. Like he is an actor at the base of it. You know what I mean? So he does express physicality no oh, yeah. matter what, even through the mask, his eyes all the time. Well, the cool thing is that people don't realize is that Kane Hodder is a stuntman first. Right. And then they usually traditionally would get stuntmen to play Jason, whether it was Jason, Michael, that was usually the thing. Let's get a stuntman because it doesn't make sense to get an actor and then have it to change it out when he's masked and we could just have a stuntman who can kind of act. Well, Kane was actually a more accomplished actor than a lot of people thought he would be. Mm. Added a lot of great characterizations to the to Jason that we know and love today. Wasn't the tallest, Jason. No, 6'2". You know? Yeah. I mean, but, I mean, shit. 6'2", ain't nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. I, okay. Right, because you're what? You're 6'10"? <laughs> I'm 6'4", almost 5". You're I, I am. Five. I would almost be the tallest Jason. Well, okay. Well, we'll get into, like, the later Jasons, because there's some pretty taller. There's a pretty taller. There's some pretty tall Jasons that come in after Kane. But as far as girth... No, nobody's got nobody's got a can hold a candle to Kane, but it's shoulder. It's pecs into shoulders into neck into head. (laughs) That's that is Kane. He's got like the Jason that he created trap city. But in any case, uh, it's obvious that this is not going to be a traditional end fight. You Mm -hmm. know, Jason's going to be put through the ringer. And that's what fans wanted. They're like, yeah, the reason Jason didn't die is because you didn't do this to him. Oh, because you didn't do that. And so the filmmakers, I'm sure, were probably like, okay, we're going to do it all to him. Yeah, We're going to electrocute him. We're going to strangle him. We're going to drop him into a a bottom of the basement from the second floor. We're going to do it all to him. We already drowned. So it's just like... I feel like this was super fan service before, like what yeah. we see today, which is like when they're redoing the end of the Star Wars trilogy, the most recent trilogy to service the fans and things. You, you see fans directly influencing decisions in movies. This was like there was no social media. It was all writing in to Fangoria and, and things of that nature. So. Uh, but still, yeah, it still feels like fan service. Well, I remember that you have a special effects guy that is your director. He's directing the entire movie. He's he was actually the designer of the special effects of this movie, so he wants to flex. Then you got Kane Hodder, who's a stunt guy, who's like, I'll flex too. Which, by the way, when he does fall to the basement and uh, Tina actually electrocutes him into fire with the furnace, which is very the furnace reminded me so much of uh, Freddy and Nightmare. Um, that was actually to that point to that time was the longest stunt burn in film history 40, that, at 40 seconds. Is that the burn that got him? Uh, no. So what I'm referring to, folks, is Kane Hodder uh, has been very, you know, open with, you know, he has a pretty significant burn injury from a stunt that he did. And it's just I wait, did he? Did it happen before this movie? I think that was what it was, is that he had already had that 
accident mm, and then he maybe. did this burn whether whatever the case may be Kane Hodder as a stuntman uh has done many burn walks and uh uh, stunt burns and this one as Lance mentioned was super long but uh was actually you know cool like nothing ended up happening as far as like he didn't get uh injured or anything like that but uh yeah he Kane Hodder is a pretty significant burn injury from one of his stunt burns yeah that's why we see him wearing gloves and all that kind of stuff and he wears and, gloves uh, and you can see it on his neck wow. there's actually a story from it's not from this friday there's another friday where one of the filmmakers uh children were on set and actually walked in on him changing out of the jason costume saw some mm-hmm. of his burns and was scared and kane hodder's such a cool guy that he actually brought the kid over and was like oh, it doesn't it's okay like it's not scary this is just my skin he's like touch it you know and made the kid okay with it like that's kind of where he is with the burn and all that kind of stuff he's more protective of other people seeing the scars and all that yeah but it happened like in it so the burn stunt i think happened like in the late 70s so it was before, it was before this before film this. so i think that's what i remember being so super significant mm. that he had this injury and still yet he was like yeah i mean this is my job i'm a stuntman let's do it um but yeah i mean i share what you think about the movie as far as like it's 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 okay not my favorite when i'm looking at it through those very specific horror snobby lenses then i do find the things wrong with it but if i let myself just be a fan of like some of the cool kills and some of the the fun moments in that final fight i do enjoy it yeah i i'm the same way i think it's kind of blah again because mostly because of the cuts that i think that were made and the transitions and anything it doesn't quite make sense but we get a lot of i we do get iconic moments there are moments from this movie that you'll see online and this is a version of jason that is often uh replicated and kind of shown it is like the definitive zombie version of jason i think you know with the bones coming out of his knee and his ribs and all that kind of stuff so um again it provided iconic moments it it put out an iconic Jason and is valuable to the franchise. Yeah. Uh, if, if Jason, well, not if the Friday the 13th franchise jumps the shark big time, meaning like they get too ridiculous. This is, if it wasn't before was the start of it all, but um, very cool moments. The fire walk as is, is a lot of fun to watch, but yeah, I mean, it's a Carrie versus Jason. <laughs> How many times are we going to have to say that? But Right. So again, the people that were part of this did care about the movie and they wanted to continue this story once they, again, this was supposed to be Freddy versus Jason. It didn't happen. So now we go to the end of this movie and it's Tina survives. Nick survives. Uh, we don't know if Jason survives. Well, we kind of do. Just so you know, folks, the way that they got rid of Jason in this movie was that the final fight is happening right near the dock where Tina is a kid, drowned her father, and Jason oh. is about to kill both of them. And Tina is, I guess, reaching out to her father te- telekinetically, and her father rises from the watery grave to bring jason down into the lake and of course tina faints right after that and was it a dream did it really happen did she end up killing jason earlier when she threw him down whatever the case may be they do bring it back to the ambiguous end as was a staple of a lot of friday 13th movies so this is where all the interesting facts come in uh the backstory of where this was going supposed to go and could have gone uh the father in the lake was supposed to had this great makeup that was designed for him it was like this skeletal mm-hmm. figure or feature you know and um yeah the I remember eyes that. were sunken in and that's what it was supposed to be somebody in the production company was like no nah, i don't like it don't don't do it so basically you can almost see like the prosthetics are ripped off of this guy and it's just a random dude which doesn't make sense because it would have been well over 10 years, 15 years yeah, that so he would have been deteriorating in the water. Jason so. could be waterlogged off for four years, but her dad cannot be after 15 years. 15 Even the sweater years. he was wearing was still in mint condition. Oh, yeah. Just, I mean, he just looked wet. He got a little wet. Yeah. His so, dad, yeah. So. I think a lot of the fans have kind of rested on the idea that, no, she didn't. 
that didn't happen because if it did happen, the father would have looked as, you know, happy Father's Day creep show style. Right. Yeah. 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 It's got kind of that vibe. So John Beekler, the director and the FX designer for this, wanted to continue the story from the very end of this, which is Tina and Nick in the ambulance leaving. And basically everyone blames Tina for the murders for her kinetic. Wow. Uh, yeah. So she's in the hospital chained to her bed. Basically Nick is trying to, you know, state his case and Jason comes and wreaks havoc in the hospital. Hmm. That was the idea from, uh, the director of this movie. Now there's two other versions of this movie from the two actors, the two survivors. Mm -hmm. So, uh, the girl that plays Tina, Laura Park Lincoln actually wrote a script with, I think her husband, I want to say, and that script had the idea of her facing her trauma, going back to the camp, opening up like a girl's council, like she's a counselor for girls with trauma. Okay. And like a halfway camp. Kind of. Okay. Yeah. I think that's what it was. And Jason comes back and wreaks havoc, of course. Uh, and then Nick's was probably my least favorite where all of this movie knew blood was a dream. Oh no. And then he gets to be the killer in the next movie. I really hate that fucking shit, man. How self-serving can you be? <laughs> I really hate it was all a dream bullshit. Oh, I know. I, it's so unsatisfying. No matter at the end who of the day. does it, no matter where, every time I've ever heard of somebody pitching that, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. It's lazy and it uh, delegitimizes what previously happened but whatever we got what we got <laughs> we got what we got and uh then we move on the next year <laughs> hoping again for freddy versus jason but we're not gonna get it do you want to know why because we got carrie versus jason lance and all of these follow-up scripts they sound fine and freddy versus jason would be phenomenal but have you ever seen jason in new york no i haven't do you want to not really. Well, you're going to get it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Danny. Huh? Oh, God. How many machetes do you give Friday the 13th, part seven, the new blood? Out of five machetes. Out of five. I will be giving Friday the 13th, part seven, the new blood. Three machetes. Nice. This is a an A for effort mm -hmm. kind of a movie for me. I don't love it. I don't hate it. It's not the best. It's not the worst. It's somewhere in the middle, kind of blah. But I get a lot of cool stuff, iconic moments, sure. stuff you're gonna remember. I also give it three machetes. There it is. So, all right. Until next time, remember to lock your doors, bolt your windows, and okay, you big hunk of a man, come and get me. And join us next time in our slasher's paradise. Need a little touch-up work my ass. Hey, did you hear anything you like? Thanks for listening to Slasher's Paradise tonight. Did you know that you can watch our podcast? Where? YouTube.com. If you go to YouTube.com, look up Slasher's Paradise, you'll find the Dead Candy page. And there you can see all of our podcasts, as well as a few shorts that Danny and I have put out. While you're there, please subscribe. And while you are listening here, go ahead and find yourself that rate and review button. Five stars is what we would love for you guys to give us. And you know what? If you can't think of anything to say in the review, why don't you go ahead and put some recommendations and or requests of horror movies that you would love for us to talk about. If you'd like to find out more information about Slasher's Paradise or Dead Candy, the producer of our show, you can head over to Facebook.com slash Dead Candy Fix. That's D-E-D -E -D Candy Fix. Here's to you guys. This is Slasher's Paradise. Sorry, I had to work that in. And I'm going to drink on that.